वेलकम टू सिम टॉक talkers around the table today discuss the firstness of ideas we'll think about the phenomenology of getting an idea using concepts and experiences from philosophy of mind chess music poetry maybe semiotics logic among others we'll wonder whether the mind merely manipulates ideas or also originates them is an idea culture or context free can an epiphany be made to happen what does it mean to be in the uncertain void without an idea sometimes are problems also a type of an idea and how might the idea of the idea change over the next few centuries as we go along we are very pleased to have three sin talkers around the table today Dr. Madan Gopal Singh was from Delhi. He was born in a family of linguists, but he soon turned renegade and is now a composer, musician and a Sufi singer. He's traveled widely across the world with a wide range of artists. Professor Navjyoti Singh was dabbled in wide areas of thought from foundations of mathematics and he's worked both in the Indic traditions and the Greek tradition. He's from Triple IIT in Hyderabad. And Praveen Thipse, who's a chess grandmaster and an Arjuna Award winner in India. He is based out of Bombay. Now, Jyoti, maybe we set the ball rolling with you um, to understand whether the world of ideas is a separate world altogether, and in what ways does it intersect or interact or apprehend the world, the physical world that we live in? Um, what is the world of ideas like, and what is an idea the way you see it? Well, uh, since, ever since the Platonic days. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since Plato separated the realm of ideas and proposed separation of idols and morphes as a separate realm, as a third world, different from the world of mind and of physical world, as a third world. So the world of ideas is different from the world of mind? World, world of mind as well as the world of uh, matter. Mind, matter yeah, and Whatever ideas. is sensible and whatever is sensitive, mm-hmm. the world of ideas is separate from both these realms. Mm-hmm. So that was a proposal from Plato. Okay. And uh, so uh, it has had career of uh, 2000 years now, 2500 years. Yeah. This idea <laughs> of uh, realm of ideas. Mm-hmm. There have been people who are comfortable with it mm-hmm. and there are people who are very uncomfortable with it mm-hmm. to have an idea as uh, very autonomous by itself in fact uh, plato thought that the world uh, and mind are both corruptions corrupt imitations of the realm of ideas right. example of that would be that uh, in our perceptions and in real in, in material reality 
a ball would touch a ground in a region. Yes. Whereas in ideas, a sphere is going to touch a plane exactly at a point. Yes. This in ideas, uh, this point is not realizable in um, real material situation. Mm-hmm. So whereas it looks like as if the material situation is trying to imitate that ideal sphere and the ideal plane. It tries to imitate, but it's only an approximation. It doesn't get right, there. Right, right. In fact, uh, Plato thought that uh, material and mental world is, is a kind of corruption of the, he called it doxa, mm-hmm. a corruption of the realm of ideas. But uh, this being a platonic theory, mm-hmm. I mean, there are people who always wanted to see ideas which are enworlded. Ideas do not have career separate from their enworldment. Right, enworldment. Uh, with materials mm-hmm. and with mind, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's embodied uh, in the world. Embodied in the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, that has been a long journey. Mm-hmm. It's not just... Um, uh, but in any specific domain... So in what sense, let's say, if we just pick an idea, this mm. uh, the idea or the notion of justice, for example, yeah. in what yeah. sense is it involved or embodied in the world? Oh, for Plato, uh, Platonic uh, third mm-hmm. world of ideas, justice is a pure idea. It's a pure idea. It's okay. a pure idea like beauty, like tableness. There are tables, mm-hmm. many tables in the reality. Mm-hmm. In reality. Mm-hmm. But tableness is the idea of table. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that is lives in some other realm. Mm-hmm. So there can be this act of justice, that act of justice, mm-hmm. fully accepted or partially accepted by the parties. Mm-hmm. But the idea of justice is a pull which each acts of justice uh, are instances of. Sure. That's sure. a pure idea of justice. Mm-hmm. Similarly, idea of beauty, good, etc. So again, it's, a, it's an element of imitation, um, not not imitation, yeah, mm. yeah, right. yeah. I not mean, imitation. I mean, these are just different forms of it in some way, right? Right. In a sense, they are uh, formal in some sense because the term "idos" and "morphe," for instance, mm-hmm. which Plato used, is mm-hmm. also a term for form. In fact, there is a very strong distinction which comes to us from the Greek world, and that distinction is between content and form. Yeah. It's like the world mm-hmm. and the form. Form is like idea, somewhat like this. And uh, it has uh, been a philosophical issue for long. Uh, but what is it like, changing tracks a little bit, what is it like to get an idea? What's the phenomenology of it? Right. For Plato, uh, since we are talking Platonic frame right now, that's why I'm going back to Ideas come by recollection. Okay. They are collected back from the realm of ideas. Mm-hmm. So the phenomenology is recollective phenomenology. Mm-hmm. But that need not be the only mode. In fact, there are very many modes which people have tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be as simple a mode as uh, certain introspective uh, formulations. Introspection. Introspection is where you, whatever you're mulling in the head, mm-hmm. in your mind, uh, it is going towards some conclusion. Mm-hmm. That mulling, 
Mm-hmm. And that conclusion, whether it has certain determinants mm-hmm. 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 of introspection, and we do see that uh, uh, several thinkers have proposed those determinants of introspection. One of them was Pierce himself. Pierce himself. Uh, yeah. Right. And, uh, and that was the method of abduction. Abduction. I think we'll get back to that. But, we you know, should, Madan, yeah. when we think of this, what is an idea for you and what is an idea and the way you think of it and how does, let's say, when a musician is performing, how do you take those unexpected turns into a very, very uncertain... And if for a second we thought of an idea as this thing whose certitude is not known, um, how do you get there? What would you say? Well, the, co- the context that I come from... Um, it it got defined by a certain sense of anxiety to begin with. Okay. And the anxiety would push us culturally into uh, a, a field which is uh, very uncertain. Mm-hmm. And to step into the field of uncertainty and to then engage with the other who is also equally in a field of uncertainty uh, in a dialogue... Um, so what it entails is primarily, first of all, an anxiety which is either socially, historically, or let's say existentially driven to mm-hmm. begin with. And then you are stepping into the field of uncertainty. Uh, the field of uncertainty and the stepping into the field would imply a kind of a notional journey. It can also be a real journey. Okay. I mean, in, in the context of the music which I do, and in the context of the poetry which I invoke while doing that music, mm-hmm. would not have been possible if these people had initially not left their homes and gone out into the uh, outer world, engaging in uh, dialogues, at times gentle, at times fierce, and through the dialogue, coming uh, into a kind of... Um, a chaotic sort of, you know, um, incorporation or subsumption of ideas which are coming from outside. But Madan, you know, the moment we say dialogue, it kind of implies the other. What is, what or who is that other? Well, the journey would, uh, the other could also be the instrument that you're carrying. For instance, you know, in the case of Guru Nanak, Mm -hmm. let me just give you an example. He left his uh, home and was traveling with his Muslim friend. Mm -hmm. He was a Hindu traveling with his Muslim friend uh, who carried his rabab mm-hmm. for uh, 25 years. He mm-hmm. carried for 20, uh, he traveled for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Now what happens is that, you know, you are carrying a rabab, which is a specific instrument, mm-hmm. but you are not carrying any, um, uh, you know, uh, what is known as uh, uh, the, the, for instance, you're not carrying the, the strings. So the rabab is becoming something different. The rabab without the rabab is no longer the rabab that you carried. Yeah. Now your strings are becoming something else. In fact, sometimes the the string snaps and you don't have an immediate replacement for that string. Mm -hmm. So the string becomes another instrument. So the the rabab itself could be the other. The rabab itself could be the other. Then you are now listening to, for instance, let's say pentatonic music. You are coming from a context where you have uh, the seven notes. Or you actually get into on, 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 on the banks of a river where you have uh, three notes. 
the people are just sort of, you know, um, they exist between three musical notes or five musical notes, seven musical notes. Then you have the idea of Shrutis. So these are um, uh, as much, um, let's say, um, uh, structural issues as these are cultural issues. But uh, Madan, would you say that this process of coming to an idea needs the world as a partner or it's just a process of rearranging what you already have cognitively? One is that you have uh, an anxiety. The idea is that, that we begin always with anxiety of some kind or the other, without which, in my opinion, idea would not be possible. Mm-hmm. So I will probably not be very un, uh, I will not be very comfortable with the idea of an exist uh, idea as an existence uh, which, which is, is independent of my anxiety. Mm-hmm. So my anxiety is very important in terms of the ideas that I'm dealing with. Then I begin to incorporate the anxieties of the others, and then I, my idea begins to expand, and then it no longer remains my idea. So, for example, in music, what would be an idea? Well, if I'm... Uh, a good idea or a bad idea? Or if, well, who, who's you know, one to uh, label it? There are many. For instance, uh, the idea of um, the infinite. Mm-hmm. I mean, you begin, you come from a finite context. Very, mm-hmm. very simple. Very enclosed context. Mm-hmm. In which there are two communities living together. The, the Hindus and the Muslims. Mm-hmm. And one day, you just uh, decide to just go. And just leave this, uh, you know, finitude of existence is no longer very uh, tempting for you. You are going out because you feel some somewhere uh, either constrained or completely traumatized by what is happening to you mm-hmm. because of certain conditions. And then you suddenly, um, you know, arrive, and this is the, a kind of a landscape uh, metaphor which I'm using, mm-hmm. arrive at a pass where you are be- beginning to see on both sides. Right. You know... When you reach the peak, you're able to see two different landscapes. Yeah. And it's a kind of a, a, a creative schizophrenia. And I have a feeling that idea, no matter how um, you know, coherent it, it is, it always carries a streak of this uh, schizophrenia yeah. that you have <laughs> to sort of, you know, uh, metaphorically, and if I'm using the landscape as a metaphor, on two sides. The sides may not be very different. But there will always be some difference which will be... And is the word too arbitrary or you kind of mean many? I mean, is it is a dichotomy necessary? No, right? The abstraction will come later. Right. The abstraction will come later. The first thing is my anxiety. The second thing is the journey. The third thing is the abstraction. So the firstness of it is, uh, is it abstracted? Well, the firstness in this case would be, uh, in, in my case probably it will be the third stage. Yeah. <laughs> Firstness may not always come, uh, uh, you know, in the beginning. So chronologically, I can reverse this. Sometimes the romance of journeys might happen much later. Right. I, in fact, you know, I have to also at times uh, go through a lie. The lie has its own creative, uh, you know, uh, joy. <laughs> so I have to go through that lie. So, uh, you know, if I say that I do not accept this idea as an, as an essence... Because this sense doesn't, you know, actually hold my attention. Then I have to reverse this process. I again and again keep on putting myself into this state of journey and arriving at uh, an idea of the other which completely destroys my idea of the finitude. I'm, mean, not, hmm. I'm not into infinite because infinite also is very frightening. Uh, I, I uh, you know, I must say that the whole idea of anad 
is uh, not always a very unfettering idea. Mm-hmm. It is also, it can be very, very frightening. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there have been very few who had the courage, actually, to actually, uh, you know, look into the infinite, uh, the darkness of the infinite. You know, infinite is not always light. The darkness of the infinite, uh, you know, you need uh, the kind of courage which very few poets that I can think of um, had had. For instance, uh, William Blake, mm-hmm. uh, when he is uh, talking of uh, the, um, the frightful, you know, symmetry, or Allama um, Iqbal, when when he is uh, also dealing with the 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 fright of uh, the other galaxies and so on and so forth. Very few people actually have been able to sort of you know look into that kind of uh, fright. Interesting, interesting. I think we'll come and weave this in in some ways. Probably in, let's travel to your world in the world of chess and calculated moves and what is it like to get an idea about the next move or the se- the sequence of moves that you might work with and what is there a path dependence to it how much of how much of it is pure calculation and mathematics and logic and how much of it is experiential what would you say well i think in general terms i would say uh, idea what we call as suddenly we came with idea that actually isn't the birth of the idea. It's basically you're reproducing. 90, I say in one case of out of 10,000, basically you come up with a fresh idea. Otherwise, 9,999 times, when you say I came up with an idea here, it means that I'm just repeating what I had seen maybe 10 years before or 5 years before. It's not <laughs> really an idea. And probably but, not being humble here. Yeah. Uh, well, it's certainly not. Certainly. I mean, I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking of the greatest world champions also, hmm. uh, because when they uh, talk about how they uh, used a specific method of winning the game by using something, and they they also describe that I came with an idea, and I just thought that I'd seen a game set five years back, and then. Uh, in such situations, such a thing was possible. And are the and so are the chess games different at all from each other? Clearly, they are. But are they as different as one thinks about it from uh, from the outside? Well, chess uh, has a very large number of, I mean, innumerable number, innumerable number of permutations and combinations. And as a result, every game is different than others. Mm-hmm. But there are repetition of patterns, and the mm-hmm. success of a player to great extent uh, depends on recognition of a pattern because uh, there are various patterns. I like uh, Grandmaster Tartakor, he was supposed to be one of the most original players in, before the Tartakor. Second World War, Tartakor, Savile Tartakor. So he said that um, blunders and uh, combinations are all there waiting for them to be made. So position <laughs> has blunders, position has combinations, position has ideas. What happens in a game of chess is the su- creativity is seen in terms of a success of a result of a game. Yes. So you th- think of an idea, the idea is fantastic, but idea doesn't work in your game. Hmm. Then it's not an idea, it's not a successful idea actually, but it's a great idea. And uh, most of the ideas, as uh, other uh, also think, most of the ideas are basically often unsound. And uh, they are it's, often it's unsound. Unsound. I mean, in, in the sense that you wish to do something which is perhaps impossible in a given situation because. It is uh, like as a mathematical uh, impossibility. It could have a mathematical impossibility. And when we are talking of creativity in a game, which is, I think, it's comparatively less compared to the other forms of uh, arts, perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. Original chess, say, one and, uh, say 200 years back, mm-hmm. was something of a more creative, like uh, 
great paintings or okay the music by basically sure. and some of such other thing today's chess of course it's a professional chess so it's when you play more force. like more for a victory where the uh, viability of that idea to work in a a competitive match in order to win the game that is more relevant so from that point of view the ideas which occur basically they are very very rare because the idea what i mean is a idea occur to you during a game during a important study and to be in a position to use it to be materially sound because something that is uh, fantastic but can can also fit into the realistic into, world into the context so, and so, into yeah, your so desire that, to win that's, that game that's that's i think a real idea and that occurs very rarely it, it so praveen have you had a real idea on the chessboard uh on the chessboard only very rarely but off the chessboard yes once twice yes maybe once or twice maybe once or so twice how did you get that idea if you think back on that well actually it came with a set of anxiety as <laughs> i said <laughs> doctor said that. Uh, what happened is i was in a very tense game and i had enough time of course but uh, there's no solution i needed uh, to win this particular match and uh, i had a feeling that i was in a very uh, strong position and i deserved to win this is nothing no typical pattern that would uh, lead to a win because whatever i knew my idea my existing knowledge was not able to find a win and i was quite uh, anxious about winning this i was playing against a bangladesh champion and that was a crucial game i mean bangladesh sure. uh, and uh, it was not a match even it was not a ma- team match but that game meant a lot for me mm-hmm. because it was a matter of grandmaster norm mm-hmm. and at that stage suddenly something occurred to me that such a thing is possible first i thought oh, what's this weird how then, did it occur to you oh uh, Okay. but i think it's a very uh, strange i would say that it occurred just out of a blue means it it just while i was analyzing and then something that could be ridiculous came to me and okay such a thing could be but possible how uh, i mean did w- was it a prompt from the other side was it the situation are you able to feel that situation uh, or is it reflect no, on I it no th- i think it's only a feeling that i was in a strong position and i should i should be in a winning position in this my i felt that i should have been in a winning position the position should be winning for me and there were no obvious ways so you felt that this has to be a winning position yes, but you didn't uh, know how yes and the uh, the idea was totally uh, sort of uh, ridiculous in appearance but eventually it led to trapping of his king and it's more or less like a, something a fantastic thing because it, the game was absolutely wow. appreciated by many also so you know mm. there like the sort of, that sort of creative feeling was there but it came not out of a experience or not out of the i mean it came by chance i would say if it was some other day it day it wouldn't have occurred or if i had made a hasty decision uh, to make some move earlier or like if i was in a comfortable position if i was able to find a different winning method then it would never have occurred to me since there's nothing else i was uh, drastically trying so to look for something so in this case and sorry to go on and on on it but you kind of felt that you were in a winning position yes i i judge i judge my position to be good and it was by no standard uh, methods or the strategy we call it but my my strategic uh, positioning of the pieces justified my winning and yet there is no mathematical solution to that and the idea which came basically it didn't have a strategic uh, basis but it had a mathematical solution and it worked and it led to a wow. first win <laughs> it was something very strange because a strategist in me wouldn't agree to that and uh, yet it worked so i think a player in me accepted that as a fantastic thing and my opponent was stunned he didn't he didn't understand the reason for the loss you know right. because he thought that such a thing such a maneuvering would be impossible That's yeah but it's very interesting only once in and when you say one. combinations or you use the word patterns what exactly is it so when you talk of chess chunk a set of 
how how do you deal with it is it is it just a vague notion that you know i'm in the attack mode and there's a rook here and what exactly is a pattern for you uh, on the chess well, board well actually a lot of research has been done in uh, chess and how to become a better player in last 200 years and mm-hmm. lot have been uh, said before first world war also sure. so what happens is actually chess is very much like a ordinary war basically if you are having a proper war with equal number of uh, army or some equal number of soldiers mm-hmm. of course it has got some specific rules but again we go only by the basic logic that if your king is surrounded with your own pieces then you could be very well defended and your opponent couldn't win or you but at the same time so even at your level and at the level of grandmasters that basic notion holds yes basic notion holds and, and you we think have to, using that intuition uh, no we basically have to deploy our army for attack as well as defense you could keep all your pieces for defense it's very much like life you keep everything for defense then you have no way of uh, any aggression right. and in the game of chess if you want to win then obviously you have to have some army allocated to the Uh, attack against the enemy king and attack against the enemy king who is of course going to try to defend himself yeah. and it's uh, going to be a tough battle because both of them will play with specific moves i mean the moves have been uh, predefined the knight can move only this way and the bishop can so all the legal possible moves can be seen by the opponent as well now to see the seriousness of the depth of that like see a single queen or a knight or sometimes a single two pieces could checkmate the enemy king e- even if the king was surrounded with his own pieces so those things are called pattern that something has been found out that uh, is smothered mate for example we deal it a king which is surrounded by one's own pieces a smothered mate smothered mate and a knight gives very a check and the king has nowhere to move because it's surrounded by its own pieces very so interesting so now you have a queen and rook and knight defending the king but they are not actually defending they're not stopping the knight so from. when you know this penultimate pattern that is a winning combination do you work towards that yes is we that of how course, you yeah we go, of course what's uh, the mid game like yes we make uh, we try to uh, um remember like whenever we see a position then we think that such a pot pattern is possible right. such a combination is possible as the end state yes yeah, so, so i like we you know like we feel oh my opponent's king is weak like one of the remarkable examples i'll tell you in a uh, anand versus kramnik match which mm-hmm. uh, anand won the when he became world champion uh-huh. and uh, kasparov was not with kramnik but he was in the tournament hall for the first game and at one stage anand gave up a pawn and uh, he got some very dangerous uh, attack but both kings were very weak sure. and were really worried about because of the russian preparation and uh, <laughs> then at one stage while we were discussing then at one stage uh, uh, kasparov just left the hall saying that black is winning and at that stage some journalists of course they heard and they asked him they did but he's a he has two pawns more uh, but this is wishy was black yeah uh, wishy was black yeah okay. and kramnik was two pawns up this is but white is two pawns up but he has a homeless king he said and uh. kasparov just left and you know it only after four or five moves subsequently the chess analyzing engines were able to see that black was actually winning and right. even anand didn't win it in the best possible way right. but kasparov there dealt with his judgment and he felt that he was he was a person who sensed that it was winning at that stage perhaps anand or kramnik kramnik certainly didn't sense that it was bad for him that's why he <laughs> chose to play that but uh, yes uh, Kasparov immediately sensed it and he left because okay he was basically wanting Kramnik to win so that's a different issue sure. but uh, yeah he was quite upset by the fact that uh, Anand's uh, judgment proved to be so good and that he was actually in a winning position is i think at that stage Kasparov felt that Anand had foreseen uh, what uh, this entire pattern so Kasparov realized it only at that time so he probably felt that okay It's very interesting. Of, yeah, it's uh, something great. It's and he left at that time. Maybe he was busy. But you know that sort of uh, patterns are there. He said what he said became evident to me after five moves. 
right or after four moves but uh, it became to evident to anand probably at the same time because he chose and maybe kramnik realized it after two moves we don't know it depends on our playing strength that we realize and sometimes yes we realize that opponent has done something and we have no way off that's how the competitive game goes that we realize that's that very interesting uh, yeah that's that he has used this specific idea and now i'm not in a position to defend but that comes i mean the one who is able to spot that earlier that is that's a routine patterns we are not really thinking those two and in a players are thinking in a routine pattern and at some stage you come up with a original idea and at the, that stage i think it could be a great uh, impact on that because if you make idea and it's worse in the like we say uh, like uh, the, the for example the gravitation we try to throw the ball up to to the moon it's a good idea but it's not going to work because of the gravitation <laughs> so <laughs> yes, we we work out some idea and that really uh, you can fit it in the game that is basically the success for a professional player that's very interesting we'll come yes. back to that yeah. uh, pravin this is so interesting what is a pattern namjoti when we talk about pattern recognition and you know one can obviously there's thought all over there's thought in the realm of science of the world of arts and music but you know as a scientific discoveries are made let's say what is that process like so if, if something hits hits dalton or something hits you know yeah. obviously there conceptual breakthroughs and uh, So when we look at ideas, is it is it is it all just a process of recognizing patterns, both of experiences and of the way the world hangs together? I think we should think about ideas in much more uh, closer to life. There are ideas which we started with Plato, who kind of want, wanted yeah, to keep it away, so but it's perfectly fine. We want to go on the other side now. Sure. What's the other uh, side? Other side is there are frustrated ideas. Frustrated ideas. There are okay. injurious ideas. Injurious or injured. Injurious. Injurious. Some ideas. ideas can injure others. Yeah. You know, there are ideas as, as lively as life is. Mm-hmm. You know, there are uh, sort of wrong ideas. Mm-hmm. There are uh, apt ideas, mm-hmm. inapt ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is is as lively as life goes. Okay. The ideas. There are two things you asked earlier about how the ideas arrive yes. in mind. other is the carriers of ideas mm-hmm. as pravin is saying new ideas are rare new ideas are absolutely rare mm-hmm. uh, extremely rare things because most of this is is retelling reliving it's some kind of recombination, recombination of, of what already kind exists of mm. now if we look at more in a puritanical way what the ideas are in the carrier in their arrival etc mm-hmm. uh, for instance um, when madan is talking when is talking i was trying to see that there are uh, um, like in the case of chess there are patterns yep. which are spatially distributed yeah patterns there are plausible patterns possible patterns there are powers in them lack of powers in them yeah. whole lot of complexity there's action potential in different potentials are different etc mm. so one is strategizing on this yeah and as he is saying uh, mostly you will make get a wrong wrong ideas there <laughs> to guard against wrong idea is a very big uh, kind of uh, sayam as one says no of a player sayam patience sayam patience or kind of restraint dis- yeah ability restraint. to exercise a to guard against wrong ideas no because you will get ideas and then you stop no don't make that move yeah etc so um, are bad ideas as rare as good ideas right right there are i mean there are bad ideas i mean there would you say bad ideas bad are ideas more? they are uh, sort of 
strategically bad ideas there are uh, sort of very injurious ideas would you agree with that pravin the number of brand new bad ideas is more or less than brand new good ideas no good ideas are very uh, few because uh, like ideas about, hmm. when we when you think in terms of chess also we must start with the beginners and children hmm. so they come up with different ideas obviously a player who has been playing long is not going to come up with new ideas is trying to work out so when you see so have you have you have you seen a 7 8 9 year yes, old we, kid who is playing original children, stuff yeah. and they generally stuff. generally come up with some bad ideas generally mm-hmm. and that's a way of our uh, selecting like one of my students who is not of course Uh, himself, I mean, much younger to me, only three years. Now he's one of my best friends, Sharad Tilak. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he's a uh, Chhatrapati Award winner. But I, when I was nineteen and he was sixteen, and his father introduced, he had just started playing chess, and he was among the other beginners of that time. We didn't start at the age of seven and eight in those days. Sure. And among the beginners, he played a fantastic move. It was a brilliant move, and I felt that he was. Good at chess compared to others, and I told his father that okay, I see some. The question, Praveen, is: uh, Are bad ideas less rare than good ideas? Brand new bad ideas. Bad ideas very common. Bad ideas are, are common. common. Most of the Would ideas are bad. Do you agree with that, Navjot? Out out of hundred ideas, I, I think we kind of get it in the realm of I chess. I think. I mean, the failed ideas are failed. more than the successful ideas. Let's put it like that, more pragmatically, mm-hmm. because bad and good is li- little prejudiced yes, about it. Of course, so there's a value know. judgment in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But interesting question is, how are ideas related to necessity? Yes. Because and uh, you mean usually when when the thinkers begin exploring ideas, it was more in terms of trying to explore necessity. Necessity, yes. in that sense so it could be mathematical it could be geometrical even this notion of praveen dealing with that situation is this sense of necessity right. there being a move isn't it yeah, yeah, and yeah. this contingency yeah. necessity in, 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 many, in, many in chess is more like fated some ideas are f- some moves are fated like that other moves are fated like that Mm. It's, it's it's more like that. So, what, can you elaborate on that? What do you mean by necessity in this context? Yeah, where is that's where I was trying to bring in a distinction, very old between form and content. Okay. Necessity deals with form only, not with content, not with the. Uh, with what the, does that mean? Uh, yeah. So, um, the form is very thin. A content is vivid. Okay. And, and and voluminous. Okay. Of a thing, mm-hmm. uh, you have a table. Table has lots of content. Every speck of it has a different content than other speck of it. Right. So much of full of content. It's very vivid. Whereas when we take uh, talk of shape, or you talk of uh, certain formations mm-hmm. uh, in the table, uh-huh. formations which are in situ in the table, uh-huh. they are thin. They're very thin. Thin in a sense, the the cardinalities are low, whereas uh, cardinality of a table is large. Very interesting. Uh-huh. I get that. So, mm. point is, when we explore ideas, we explore thinness, thinness and of the this, world. Yeah. Where is world most thin? Is the exploration of ideas. Wow. Uh, in those in positions. In a discriminated sense, where it exists. Yeah. in a discriminate way right right so But exploration him. of ideas is exploration of necessity in some sense something like which is a fabric of of the world uh, one can get and lost in the vividity of world you know in 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 the sort of every breath is million 
complexities are there in every breath. Yes. We can get lost in that. Yes. But uh, the summarization of it is in thinness. So this necessity, possibility, contingency. Yeah. And so the uh, when I say necessity, you include possibilities there. Hmm. Because when you're doing ratio thinking, you know, like... Um, uh, which happens with ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, a thinking is more ratioing variety of possibilities, variety of necessities, etc. Necessity, possibility are both go together. Mm-hmm. Because right. uh, actual thing is, what is the fate of it? Yeah. A, a problem, a situation. Yeah. And you're mulling over it. Yeah. And this mulling is leaving you in some direction. And I think this mulling is 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 an activity which happens in every sphere of life. It happens in arts. It happens in chess. It this is like everybody is engaged with this mulling, and everybody is engaged with trying to work out what is apt in ideas. And it's very interesting. Madan, is what do you and you know? Let's take the carry the word mulling in in into your realm, if we may. Are are you is the process of performing or rendering or doing music, if one uses a more general word, is it introspective in nature? I think initially there is um, a, a great deal of doubt. Let's say we are beginning with doubt, uh-huh. and what we do initially is to uh, establish ourselves within the field of sound. Okay. Um, Alap, for instance, is only a way of validating yourself. It's like locating yourself in sound. Alap is nothing more than this. So each one of us will have a different alap. So my alap is not going to be your alap. Because this is how I validate myself within this sound. What does that mean? This is uh, validating for what? we have to overcome a sense of our scattered uh, you know self right. in order to now move towards stylization alap is not necessarily a complete uh, body which is stylized okay. and available okay the next is stylization because in any case music is doubly stylizing that which has already been stylized in poetry the poetic word is stylized word and uh, a further rendition of the poetic word through melody is a double stylization that's very interesting of course mm. so uh, what is happening then is that you are beginning initially by locating yourself in sound uh-huh. and you overcome a sense of fear i'm i mean i'm admitting that uh-huh. uh, alab actually is uh, the space where you overcome your own in sense of in- inadequacy uh-huh. and you and you actually say that i exist to your own self. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you move into the world because alap is not stylization. Stylization begins when the words are there and when the melody is further trying to restylize. That is the that is stage number two. And in that stage, the interpretive act is also beginning to happen. And now what you're interpreting is outside. Alap is maybe an interpretation of that which is inside. Introspective. So uh, you are now beginning to interpret that which exists outside. And it is not necessarily a very pleasant thing to do. I mean, the whole idea of interpreting through melody a poem which exists outside, is sometimes it, it can be, be soul-destroying. 
because it's your interpretation and it, I mean, it might actually unfold like a lie. But the third stage, which might happen, which is where epi epiphany can actually occur, uh -huh. is the stage when you're singing through your process of, processes of stylization, re you reach a point where the text and the melody begin to interpret you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are constituted by the act of singing. Absolutely. Uh, epiphany without this will not be possible. That you reach a point that you are actually doing this. And, you know, you are now moving from remembrance into the, into the realm of forgetfulness. This is a margin. I don't know how to define this. This is a margin of lost memories, which is not available to me immediately. And my uh, interpretation is now beginning to wear thin. You know, thinness is uh, the word that you were using. It is now beginning to wear thin. And suddenly something happens for about 20 seconds. Epiphany will not happen throughout the concert. It can never happen. Otherwise, the concert will become boring. Epiphany will be that moment where the margins of forgetfulness will begin to sort of, you know, uh, uh, come afloat. You know, they'll be... And Madan, this epiphany is for the performer? In a, I mean, primarily it is for the performer. I mean, it, 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 I mean the listener can also be swept off uh, um, so his or not, her it's, feet. It's a certain kind of sublimation resonance with... Uh, I mean, what is happening is that, you know, we have to, when we say that there are two registers, one is the register of remembrance, the other is the register of um, uh, listening. Right. The point is that uh, these registers might actually push you into a, into a realm which is never ordinarily available to us. I mean, what is the, the forgotten memory that we are trying to invoke here or that gets invoked? despite ourselves, which is that forgotten register, which is that forgotten, uh, you know, margin. I have no answer about that. Absolutely none. This is uh, what um, uh, Praveen is also actually referring to, that, you know, something is now happening. And, uh, and I'm not even sure if it is, a, a, you know, a very positive way to, you know, move forward. But something has happened and now, you know, I'm in a different realm. And do you have a sense of agency when you're there in a state, the 22nd epiphany you spoke I'll about? You, are, you, you. are you a singer then or a listener of your own song? If you know I, what I, mean. I, you know, you I know what get, I mean. Uh, now, this might sound absolutely ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous but I, is I welcome. get the feeling <laughs> when I'm, I'm actually... The whole idea is to enter the note. Okay. And to stay there. And nobody is going to tell you how long you're going to stay there. You're staying there. I always get this feeling, and this is totally, this is total madness. I always get the feeling that this sound, which I'm producing now, is getting produced elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> As if it's played in the universe. Absolutely. You know, it is, it is a sound which I'm producing now. It is getting produced somewhere else. And you are reproducing it or it's getting produced somewhere else? Absolutely. I mean, this is what, you know, I'm maybe it is that sound which is now actually sort of, you know, pushing me to produce the sound. When we say, I mean, when Kabir is saying... And this is not psychologism. Sorry? It is, it's, it's yeah, sure. It is, it is beyond dialogism. It is a, a kind of a meta state. 
बिकॉज वेन कबीर से सुनता है गुरु ज्ञानी द वाइज वन द क्रैक्ट वन बिकॉज द वाइज वन इज ऑलवेज अ लिटिल क्रैक्ट सुनता है गुरु ज्ञानी गगन में आवाज हो रही झीनी झीनी समथिंग इज हैपनिंग इन दूमेंट दिस लिटिल साउंड विच इज गेटिंग प्रोड्यूस दैट झीनी झीनी इज ऑल्सो थिन थिन गगन में आवाज हो रही झीनी दिस वेरी नैरो दरवेश डांस you just keep going round and round and round it is this ascent you exploring yourself you shutting off your uh, sense organs you shutting off uh, your balance senses etc and that exploration of uh, self uh, you of going towards some kind of khudai from khud yeah Yeah, to khudai yeah, yeah. from khud to khuda as a khudai's algorithm <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> so this this journey that you begin as yourself and you open up almost cosmically and into into total being that uh, this ascent which one sees and there's an algorithm for it at least in the sufi dance what happens is, in the mind mind that I mean, you I mean, lose let's sense let's go of, into philosophy of mind and let's yeah, think of it you you lose uh, you close all your external sense organs in the beginning then you close your thoughts your feelings it's like a yogic procedure you know you you just close those uh, and you shut as, them as off you one keep by going one. people in turkey go around 8 hours continuously ah absolutely you know it's, it's like that and uh, you shut that off and what you left with inside is just kudai and uh, that that's a kind of state so uh, in music in performance of art or in rather in any field you know the greatest empowerment is that when you sort of be as large as the universe no? so what would yeah, happen if we, if we were to do that's very interesting very very interesting but if we were to do an fmri of this darvish dancer Well, uh, nothing much will happen in that. Uh, in a sense, it is fMRI is a very coarse thing. Sure, of course. Coarse thing in a sense that uh, even it's little technical. But let me just say, please go ahead. Technical uh, is welcome. That uh, the way mind, pace at which mind works. Mm-hmm. The suppose one thought has uh, ten entities in it, one single thought. you need to restore power 10 steps to constitute that to select that thought with 10 entities and relations etc yeah you know number of steps which are required to constitute this computationally also that thing is very large yeah you don't have whereas fmri etc is oxygen intake yeah it's very slow it's sluggish right these are not really these are some correlates are possible but they are not giving granularity 
So which, is it possible to capture this 22nd epiphany that Madan was talking about? No, one can do that. There will be many study meditation and this, that. Right. I've been studied a lot. Some semblance comes, but the granularity of experimental study yeah. and the granularity at which mind operates, yeah. the granules at which level, there's a vast discrimination. This is very slow. We don't have that resolution. Are we getting there? No, nowhere. 100 the years? Resolutions are 100 years if possible. May not be possible also. Possible though. It's in the realm of possibility, yeah, not, because, not uh, necessities yet. Even one can see it's possible because what was 30 years ago mm. and what is now is changed. Granularity has improved. Mm. But it doesn't mean that it's not like a quantitatively decreasing process. Uh, new ideas need to come. And it's, it's a sphere, mind-body issues is a sphere which calls for a lot of new ideas. Yeah. Now. And you were talking uh, about abduction a while ago, sorry, changing right, tracks right, a little bit. Right. How does abduction happen? Oh, like this, uh, the introspective journey, like a Sufi or a, or a musician or even a chess player yeah. is doing, yeah. uh, mulling. Uh, uh, abduction, when you look at ideas, the history of ideas, ideas keep changing, ideas keep falling down, ideas keep rising up. Yes. All kind of things happen. So... P.S. came up with this uh, one of the introspective rationality, uh-huh. one formalization of introspective rationality, which he called abduction, which is different from induction and deductions. Induction is if something is true for N, N is true for N plus one, yeah. it is true for every, everything else. Everything else. But there's a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, Hume said that Hume induction presumes Correct. induction. Correct. There's a clarity in it. Correct. And deduction is non-ampliative. It doesn't add new information. Whatever directive steps you take, yeah. no new information is added in that. Yeah. Induction adds new information. So Pierce came up with a thing that uh, what we do is we throw an idea. And this idea which we throw in mind tries to run away with the portion of reality portion of reality and what we do is uh, when we run away with the portion of in the sense that it explains the portion of reality that idea if it explains large portion of reality good enough and uh, and human being is a abductive machine in the sense we keep throwing things we uh, we think we get an image of a person okay this person is like that and with this image we abduct the person the other person may be breathing sweating going in his own way, but we abduct that person uh, in so, our I mean, image. How does it happen? Does it, I mean, is there an iconic kind of argument to it? What happens? There is, uh, it is like there is certain ideas come in mind and we tend to imagine that the world is under, is behaving, is complying with that idea. And we try to confirm it, whether the world is complying with that idea or not or we postpone compliance also. We just presume that world is working that way. That, uh, that way. And we go ahead with it. And if it gets frustrated, we correct it or so not. So what would an example be? Oh, examples would be like somebody, there's a lot of alchemy we've done in the West. Somebody came up with the idea of atom. All of a sudden, the entire chemistry got organized. Mendeley yes. tables came up. One thing made sense. One thing just, just spread r- ran away with reality. Or other thing, somebody thought, that heat is actually emotion. Right. And thermodynamics came. 
Yes. So sometimes people get it in dreams. Somebody dreamt a benzene ring, you know, and yes. and, and the structures, uh, organic chemistry developed. So history of science is full of such things. Even history of music, history, everything is full of such. And it can happen in the realm of ideas. It can also happen at a very personal level. Is it possible to get an idea in a dream, Praveen? Uh, well, I think so because uh, it's. I would say, perhaps a new idea. I'm not sure, but certainly a reproduction and a combination of uh, two or three patterns, which could lead to something which has, uh, in a chess of like in a field of chess, I would say idea can mean something which has not been played before, something which has not been made before. I mean, it doesn't have to be absolutely original idea, but it could be a sort of combination of three or four original ideas. And if you are able to, so that happens. In fact, it has happened to me once. And uh -huh. it was a very strange experience, very uh, unhappy experience, I would say, because I, <laughs> in, in 93, I played a great game, a great game in the sense uh, it was published in an international chess magazine with two diagrams. When the diagram comes, that means something sensational is being played. Right. And a game with two <laughs> diagrams is taken at, like, it becomes one of the best games in international circles. Very interesting. And then I was playing a tournament uh, four years later, and in the morning, in the, in the dream, I found this defense to that, and all this uh, praise I uh, got for this, my brilliant game, uh, it had a loophole in the sense my opponent could have made a draw. <laughs> That was very annoying, actually. I, I got up, and at that stage, it, it was must be three in the it morning. It was an idea you better yes. not have. And, uh, <laughs> yes, and that's something which is uh, something which is unconventional, unconventional with regard to chess, practical chess, did work there, and my opponent could have defended in an extraordinary idea. And I was so, I mean, it was like four years. It left uh, unnoticed while I played all the tournaments, and it suddenly appeared in the dream. I confirmed, and so okay, a few years back, I confirmed with the computers also to the correctness of that because we have dealing only with the uh, correctness of my game and I felt I had played a flawless game and an idea which is maybe a tangential to general chess ideas uh, came up with a defense and it actually uh, draws the game. So the mm. idea works and the lost game can be saved. Now it, my opponent didn't find it. I found it four years later. But mm. yeah, this sort of idea, I think it's something very good. It can come in dream. But uh, yeah, it's why, not of why, practical hmm. use if it comes in game. I mean, clearly there's no answer to this, but why did you get it in, in, in that dream that day? I don't know, no idea because four years had passed, more than four years, I think, four, four and a half years had passed. And uh, Were you I, dealing I, with a combination which was similar uh, in any way? Absolutely not, because the player whom I <laughs> defeated was no longer in Indian team. And I mean, he's not a close friend of mine. It, th that year he was doing well. In 90, I'm talking of 93 when the game sure, was played. Sure. And he was a member of Indian team. I was a champion. And it was a good, interesting game. Four years later, he was just out of the team and he was out of my mind. And probably I had not met him in two, three years. And the game had no significance with regard to I didn't play a game of that opening on that day or tournament. And it's, I think, something very Let me ask random. you a different question and a one-minute answer to that. Do you play the person or you play the moves you play you play the pieces on the other side oh well i try to be a perfectionist so i try to play the uh, best moves and if it works it works otherwise not i mean the uh, element of risk which is trying to play a person is opponent is not in a position to attack well he's not good at attack so i give him a chance that i don't do but that is mm. uh, more successful players do that sort of gambling <laughs> <laughs> more successful than me they often take the chance that's very interesting. That's very, very, very interesting. And what is a problem? Are problems ideas themselves? I mean, does it all start with a problem? Would you associate the word problem with the word anxiety that you were yeah. using a while ago? Yeah. 
Well, um, anxieties of various kinds, as I said, you know, there can be an existential anxiety. When I became a musician, I didn't have to become a musician. Yeah. And uh, this uh, decision uh, had to come from somewhere. Mm. And it came from mm. my own sort of, you know, uh, very troubled relationship with what was happening in Punjab. The, my friends were getting killed. There were people being pulled out of buses and trains and killed in cold blood. Mm. That is when, you know, this, the language of um, semiotics wasn't wor working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is where I had to take a decision. And I did take a decision which completely, <laughs> you know, um, put me out of the realm of ideas um, or the so-called realm of uh, ideas uh, forever and and I'm, I've become a kind of a mendicant uh, traveling singer. Not at all. Yeah, I'll really take the word mendicant out there. Yeah, traveling well, singer, sure. <laughs> well, you know, I'm quite happy. He's trying to put him in, in a much better, a beautiful place <laughs> as a mendicant. Rather. <laughs> so, you know, last few minutes, mm -hmm. Navjoti, what is the future of the idea of ideas. What's the future of the, this business and this act of getting an idea? Yeah. Is it quite you, likely that 5,000 years later or 500 years later, one would be getting ideas in a different way altogether? Yeah, since you now formulate it like idea of idea. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a very well formulation mm. because a nature of idea mm -hmm. is itself a big issue. And when I raise the issue of possibility in a city, that is a very serious and open issue. Mm -hmm. I think one of the big moves which has happened, uh, it's happened more recently okay. in the domain idea of idea, okay. is uh, uh, one particular form of a point. Let me just explain Of a point. This. Of a point. Point is like when we in English we say, please make your points. Sure. Uh, stick to your points. Sure. And... Uh, all power, no point in PowerPoint presentation. People say this. This point is a non-geometrical point. It's not a Euclidean point. The hunk. You're talking about the gunk. When we say, yeah. Uh, what is the point of this talk? Yes. These points is non-Euclidean point. It's not that point. Yes. But this point is a form. That point What's the point the of this talk? Or, you know, uh, stick to the points. Make your point. And you say, make your point, what are you doing there? Mm -hmm. There is a form called point there. Mm -hmm. It's a non-geometrical form. Mm -hmm. In fact, Leibniz called it punctum. He called his point res mentalis and entia rationis. Mm. It's entity of reason and its reality is mental, this mm. point. Mm. So I think that uh, if you think of thousand years from now... Uh, at least for Leibniz's idea was a disposition, wasn't it? This, this, oh, anyway, we'll, a thousand years from now, let's a go there. A thousand years from now, that uh, much of human affairs uh -huh. uh, would be looked from the viewpoint of points. Whether it makes sense to you. There is an intuition that it's something in very, I'm, very interest, interesting. I'm thinking of thousand-year framework. Go ahead, please. Uh, and uh, s that somehow the current uh, sort of currency of knowledge which we see today mm -hmm. has buried this point in the language. 
it is not considered as something important. And if you look at points, you will see these points everywhere, in chess, in music, in dance, in uh, neuroscience, in every domain. Right. There will be little playing ground. Uh, many of the uh, sort of uh, gulfs in knowledge, like humanities, social and science, or even tradition, modern knowledge, right. many of these gulfs are going to be dropped. Dissolved. Dissolved with, uh, with pursuing uh, idea of idea uh, when we look at the forms uh, in a new way. So you mean this notion of a point in the sense of there being a different kind of individuated form? Or? It's a different form. This is in English language. You have this in, in, in Indian languages. Uh, equivalent term is 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 uh, uh, it's a punct is the same etymology. Yeah, punct in like German. But like punch, the punch. Punct, pint, puncture, sure. uh, same etymologically in the European. Let's say. So there is a term, uh, and prapanch is like all this kainat, sure. uh, you know, which is like spread. This is basically spread of points of this kind. There is imagery, very fine imagery in the Indian tradition, and which is of Indrajal. Um, uh, this is a jal of these points. Uh, and uh, I think what I'm trying to say is let's not get into any of the images now. But the issue that uh, when we look at what is primarily, primary, uh, what has primacy in, in dealing with conducting human affairs in future, uh, we implicate ideas ideas sound like whatever people formulate right but whatever people formulate are as risky as any other world is you know, so they can go right in a wrong. sense this notion of the point will be liberated from language it is it is underneath language it is oversight of language it's overseeing language yeah it's, it's a different thing so uh, and this uh, issue, I think, is also related to, in the short term, 200 years of that kind, uh, to the current polity. What is happening is the, uh, the realm of knowledge, uh, which is there in non-European world, uh -huh. uh, because of the political might of non-European world is going up in the next 200 years. Sure. Uh, many of these formations will come up. Okay. So the propositional knowledges, uh -huh. predicative knowledges which you see in the West, uh, are, are going to face a level playing ground with more experiential knowledges. Experiential. Mm -hmm. Experiential, which is what, I mean, yes. uh, less rational. You know, those kind of uh, knowledges which seems to be in other societies and more speculative, more metaphysical, more... Uh, otherworldly, you know, that's been a epithet for and, knowledge and, and elsewhere. Jyoti, if I may, this is the future or this is your wish for the future? Uh, it's not wish, it could be wish also, but, but it's, it's, it's a, more it's like a anticipation. Likely scenario. It's more like anticipation. Right. We know that the might of 
societies apart from european societies is is on the rise next 200 years interesting the scenario of knowledge uh, which is like very long waves since we are ref- begin with referring to plato we talk mm. about 2000 2000 years, years ago so mm. we can just talk out 1000 years ahead of yeah, 1000 2000 years ago so where is the lack today i mean which is the um, sort of aspect of being which is repressed interesting i think it's very you know, interesting that's going to come up in a session but then might why don't we just end with a few quick words from you what is the future of the notion of the idea in music are there ideas happening in music and when you try to rewind not rewind fast forward many many years in one minute you know i became are there are there open problems uh, well you know uh, the thing is that we are surrounded by anxieties mm. wherever mm. i mean including here where we are not addressing anxieties in our music mm. at all but uh, all over the world uh, it is happening that is one but music is experiential wouldn't you say that yeah but the second point is more important which is that you know i for instance am a cultural activist mm-hmm. and there is a lot of you know culturally activist music which i sing mm. but my music is not defined by that right my music is in fact never defined by that right because uh, e- eventually i have to sort of you know uh, uh, you know uh, my soul has to become flesh so you know that is uh, the most important thing again this notion of form and content in a way where yeah uh, it is it is i mean and, and so so this music of uh, let's say 1000 years out is it going to be more form more content i mean in a way i'm kind of one thing is very obvious that you know uh, the human agency the the voice uh, the human voice within a musical production is now receding into the background that's very interesting and, yeah that's instrumentation very... is coming and you kind of see this arc going all the way several centuries out I think I think uh, uh, this is going to get uh, a lot like this in the in the in the time to come. Very and therefore it is very important to uh, now come back to the instruments as if you know uh, you're throwing um, a little um, what is it called uh, the grains yeah. for the birds to come in sort of you know, <laughs> yeah. It's very interesting and uh, Praveen are computers going to start having ideas about chess i mean clearly they play very well and you know you kind of made that distinction between logical and mathematical um but well, i think computers probably never come up with idea it's uh, they come up with a because basically computers come up that's only that's the present 1000 years out yeah but i think they're designed in a way that they come up with a mathematical solution and the computers are designed in a way that they think in a mathematical way at the moment and uh, in every field whether it's uh, other sciences but it could be multivalued logic and this and that as we go perhaps forward. the computers hmm. haven't but yeah if they did that then of course uh, there could be real uh, ideas and with regard to yes with regard to life again when we see a successful idea which a human being is able to a human society is able to implement it for their betterment or welfare these are the ideas basically which are become prominent or important yes there could be several ideas probably computers if you start thinking itself which is i think taken as a impossible we'll now it will come way. up with several ideas and that viability of that ideas also they could be in a position to do themselves thank i don't you. know in coming thank years you. thank you so yeah, much in that case it would be really good thank you i think that's a great note to end this on and you know maybe we'll ponder over this notion of point as we go forward and it's uh, thank you to all of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon again take care